Pastors Larry and Tiz welcome you to another New Beginnings Church podcast. Go deeper into God's Word with practical messages and lifestyle studies that will equip, inspire, and encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Get ready to be fit for life. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Fit for Life this morning. Today, um, I want to kind of wrap up what we've been doing for the month of March. We've been teaching on revival for this month, and Pastor Nancy started us off with uh, repentance, message on repentance, very powerful. Pastor Lydia then brought a teaching on prayer. Then Wanderson last week shared with us on evangelism. Today, I'm going to wrap this all up on a biblical story in the Bible of 2 Chronicles. And um, we're going to take a look at a point in time in history of of an individual who stood out and helped bring revival to his nation. So before I get going, let's just take a moment and pray. Let me get calm. I was running late today. Let me catch my breath. And let's just ask God to be in our midst and to touch our hearts today in this teaching. Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place today. I ask that you go through and touch each and every one of us. And in time when this podcast is is brought forth, Father God, let it touch those who hear these words. Father, calm our spirits, calm our minds. Let us shake the dust of this world off of us right now in the mighty name of Jesus and focus on this word. Now, Father, we love you, we honor you, and give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. This morning, our subject will continue on with revival. The title, if you're into titles, of this teaching is Standing in the Gap. Amen? And the goal today is I want us to be aware of God's awakening or his move. There's some things today I'm going to present through this story of this man that even applies to us today. God's word always applies. But I want us to have a frequency to be in tune to God's movement. A lot of times we get very busy in life. Life visits all of us. And we can miss what God is trying to accomplish. Amen? This teaching is a very simple teaching. It's, this class is for practical teaching. It's to give us some tools and, and, and things to, to help us be a better leader in the society in which we are right now living in. And God knows that they need good leaders to impact this world. So today's uh, study will be on the Bible text of Second Chronicles chapters 28 through 31. Now, I'm not I'm not, it's, it's a lot, it's quite a story. I'm not going to read the text, but I encourage you when you get home or in your quiet time, read this because you'll see as I saw this valuable teaching that applies to us today. Amen. So in the time of history, there was a man who actually did stand in the gap Because of his faith and his radical all-in obedience, his people, the southern kingdom of Israel, 
was preserved from destruction and experienced a great revival. This man today that we're going to be talking about is King uh, Hezekiah. Very wonderful king. His, there's a historian, Thomas Clary. He famously told this quote. He said, the destinies of societies are shaped by great men and women who act boldly at key times. There is courage and boldness. Their courage and boldness can change the course of an entire society. Let that sink in. The destinies of societies are shaped by great men and women. Their courage and boldness can change the course of an entire society. Just think what a group of like-minded people who are courageous and bold and full of the Holy Ghost can do to impact their city, their nation, and the world. That happens here, by the way. We have a very bold and courageous leader standing up and doing things that are not seen in other churches. And I'm thankful that I have been able to hook my wagon to this ministry and to grow and to gain the experience and the knowledge through his teachings that I, wherever I may go, may have some sort of positive impact. And people said, man, that guy's pretty brave. I mean, he was... You know, he, he didn't hesitate to share what was on his heart in regards to a situation. And I just encourage that. So we're going to go to the uh, story in Second Chronicles 29. And 29 is really a short story of Hezekiah's birth. And we're going to jump back to 28. Hezekiah was the son of King Ahaz. Ahaz uh, was a very unmoral king. He was considered probably the most ungodly king of Israel ever. And he led Israel into moral degradation. Horrible, horrible the way he led. But then Second Chronicles goes on and says that Hezekiah, when he became king at the age of 25, he got right before God. He saw all of this, and somehow or another, something in his heart knew that this was not right. And so Hezekiah, at that age, within the first year, called the priest, the Levites, and he said, listen, guys, we're going to get this thing right. We are going to go, and we are going to clean out the temple. Because his father had condemned the temple uh, they had all sorts of false idols around the temple. I mean, the, 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 the country was in shambles when it came to the moral, ethical ways that God had, had uh, wanted his people to live. I remember teaching over Torah before the Israelites crossed over the Jordan. It was during the, 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 the teaching of Matah. And God told Moses to tell Joshua that I am going to institute a new way of doing things because you are a chosen people. You are a people that are going to be heads and shoulders above the, the corruption and, the, and, the, and, the, and all the things that were immorally going on. 
And he instituted, of course, his, his laws, his regulations, and we see it all through uh, the Torah and what Moses and God had, you know, God gave Moses to do. But anyway, this first part of this story where Hezekiah calls the priest and the Levites and they begin to clean out the temple, it's an illustration of us beginning to clean out our temple. Now, not this church. I'm not talking about the church building cleaning it out. I'm talking about us doing a self-evaluation and us beginning to look at what's in us, what is truly in our hearts. Because the church is where revival starts. And if the people aren't right, God's not going to place a revival within a corrupt culture or a a, a sinful culture. He's looking for people that will get their life right with him. We are to like... Hezekiah told the priests and Levites, clean out the temple. Let's evaluate. Let's get ourselves right. Most of us in here, all of us in here, we're hungry for God. That's why we're here early in the morning, you know. Uh, But our lives should reflect in a way that causes people to evaluate their life. Because if you could imagine... And this happened at Asbury. I've been told that a young man, Pastor Wanderson mentioned this last Saturday or Sunday. He said there was a young man that got up and confessed his sins in front of that church service. And then the people were moved by that confession and began to worship and began to praise God. And that's what sparked that revival. You see, Serious repentance, serious cleansing of one's self and corporately doing so, people are going to come together and God's going to move in a mighty, powerful way. There was a story back in the 20th century, and I'm, I'm just pulling this from memory, but this was in the country of Korea. And at that time, it was a very small church. There's just a few hundred Christians in that country at the time. And missionaries were coming and going, and they were, you know, uh, sharing the gospel and trying to get the nation to convert over. And uh, one of the leaders of the church, uh, one evening during a prayer service, stood up and, and he confessed. He says, listen, I have, a, I have a confession to make. I have a real serious problem and actually a, a real terrible hatred towards our missionary that's come. He says, please forgive me. God, forgive me for this hatred that I have towards this man. I don't know why the missionary rubbed that guy. I don't understand what happened there, but everybody was in awe, kind of like, what? Here this guy confessed with all these people sitting in this meeting that he hates this guy that's been bringing the word. And so they looked at the missionary, and the missionary stood up and <clears throat> cleared his throat. And he looked at the man, and he says, you know, I forgive you. I understand. I forgive you. And that church, right then and there, exploded with revival. Now, revival always starts on the, on the down low. It's not noisy. It's not, it's not this big production 
It starts in the hearts of the people, and it starts in, in the forgiveness, God's forgiving of sins, people repenting of their sins, God coming and bringing us together. And we begin to quietly worship our Lord. We quietly thank him for what he's doing. And as that begins to just manifest, you can't help but for people to be drawn to that atmosphere. You can't help for people to want to be a part of that because there is love, there is truth, there's revelation, there's rhema, and people today, right now, need that. But in order for those people to receive it, we must clean out the junk in our hearts and in our lives. And it's our responsibility as Christians to do so. I understand it's so easy to get consumed with business, with family, with jobs, with hobbies, with children. But man, let our hearts really seek God. Let the Son who set us free, free us indeed. Let us get rid of the very things that hinder us from God's presence in our lives, working and manifesting and touching the people. It is our responsibility. So I jumped ahead a little bit, but my first, first point was awakening happens when the church gets rid of its junk. That's point number one. The awakening and revival happens when the church gets rid of the junk in its life. Amen? Point number two. Awakening happens when churches recenter themselves to Scripture. You can see in 2 Chronicles 29, verse 25 through 30, the story continues on where Hezekiah reestablishes the Scriptures as the center of Israel's lives, their sacrifices, and their worship. A key note here is the Bible is the church's life. It's what we live out and for. So, in revival, a church should be scriptured focus. Amen? And allot the proper time to the teaching of the word. The second thing about scripture is church worship should have also scripture focus. You see, worship is rhythm of revelation and response. Worship is the rhythm of revelation and response. As we stand and as we praise God, and as, as words are spoken of us that are scripture and, and, and things of that nature, we are, our spirit is open. God, through the power of the spirit, through the power of worship, has been plowing and plowing and plowing. So in that, we begin to receive revelation. And in that revelation, that's when we respond. And as you see people come and respond by coming to the altar and, and lifting hands, some are jumping to the beat of the music. Others are kneeling before God during a worship song and repenting or asking God, please, please, Lord, answer my prayer on this situation there's been many times where Laura and I in, in the little church that we helped plant many years ago, 
we would, we would literally go to the altar during worship, her and I off to the side, and go before God. And we would pray for our students that we oversaw in our student ministry. We would pray for our business when times of need. We would pray for our family in times of health. We would, we would respond to the scripture spoken over us through word of singing. And we moved according to our response. And we just give praise. You know, God's power is in the atmosphere when we're worshiping. We know that. We know that things happen. And that's why as leaders, every one of us, when we go into worship, we should raise holy hands. We should respond to the things that God's doing. Because keep this in mind. We're leading the people that are coming through these doors that have no clue. And as we corporately come together and raise hands and praise God and worship God, these people are going to feel the power and the sense of what's going on. They may not get it. They may not understand. But they know that they've been touched. And they know that they have been in a place that God rests upon. So important. So let revival be. Let the awakening be recentered on Scripture. Amen? Now, the next thing is church should be based on prayer through Scripture. I put it like it should... Church should base prayer on Scripture. Let me rephrase that. Church should base prayer on Scripture. Number one, Scripture teaches us how to pray. Number two, effective prayer is learned through Scripture, but it also helps us figure out what God wants and how we can ask him for it. Sometimes we don't know what God wants until we stop and say, okay, Lord, I do this all the time. I'll be... I'll be out hours away doing my job, doing what I do. And I kind of got off a few degrees of what God had intended me to do that day. Have you ever done that? You know, if you stay on the same, same dial, same degree you're going, but if you get off a little bit, once you get a few hours out there, you're... I sense that, and I'm like, okay, God, where do I need to go and what do I need to do? And I'll sit in that truck of mine and I'll wait. And uh, 99.9% of the time, he'll say, hey, take off and go over here. Because as I'm out doing my thing, you know, I, uh, there's a lot of days that I come up empty-handed doing what I do. Because you know, I'm in the car business and I'm out looking for vehicles. And, and I get up and I'm like, hey, I'm going to go over here. I'm sure I'll find something here. Nothing over there. Go all over here. Nothing over there. I'm like, okay, Lord, where is it that you really want me to go? Because I didn't ask you that early this morning. So for me as an illustration on effective prayer and asking God is part of that. It's also that unction that you receive when you're in church as we're praying, you know, God, use me, Lord, use me. And he's like, okay, go over here and pray for this lady or this guy. I'm not doing that. No, move, move. We all know that. We're all leaders in this church. We all know. We all know. And the blessing that that person receives, but man, I'm telling you, the, the, the swelling up in your heart and the gratefulness that God found you worthy to be used in that manner, amen, amen? All right.
So keep this in mind. If we remove scripture from our church life, our family life, our marriage, our jobs, your life could be a mess. It's so important. So let me encourage you to saturate yourself in scripture. Saturate yourself. Make the time to get in your word. Make the time to memorize Bible verses. Make the time. Because you know, it's, it's our sword. Man, when things come against me, guess what? For the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. He refreshes my soul. Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. Those are the things that I recall. Okay, in the morning, I trust in the Lord with all my heart. Lean not on my own understanding, but I acknowledge him in all my ways because I know he'll make my path straight. Be anxious for nothing. But in all things, through prayer and supplication, let your request be known to God with thanksgiving. And you will have a heart full of peace. Turn your mind to these other things and don't worry about what you're seeing. We do not walk by sight. We walk by faith. That's who we are. And that's how we're going to move. Amen? Amen. So saturate yourself. It's your, it's your sword. It's, it's, it's a way we personally can get through our day but it helps those around us when we speak the word over them. Even if they don't know, their spirit will know. Amen? All right. Let's go to point number three. Awakening happens when Christians recenter themselves on the gospel. Now you say, well, the scripture is the same as it. Yes, it is, but we are we are bringing people to know the Lord. And here's why this is important to think about through 2 Chronicles teaching. In chapter 30, there's a description of how Hezekiah reinstituted the Passover feast. Keep in mind, when his father was alive, there was no Passover feast. I mean, they, they did away with all of it. All they did was worship all the different foreign gods and and. And, and a lot of that was because they wanted to be protected from their enemies. And it was just, it was, it was horrible. It's just horrible. If you really read that and study that and the narrative that these kings, this, this, this illusion that they had to make them feel safe in their country and to pay for protection and ignoring the real protector, they would pay the king of Assyria and worship their God. So their walls would not be, uh, uh, tore down and their city captured. You know, they, 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 were, they were worshiping other idols and other things. And it's crazy why they did that. Because we all know who our source is. We all know the real source. But the Passover feast, thank you. It illustrates... When, G, when um, Moses had everybody paint the blood on the doorpost, that the death angel would pass over them and no harm would be to them. For us in the gospel story, in the New Testament, Jesus on the cross and the shedding of his blood represents the doorposts of our hearts and the blood on our hearts. Think about that. 
so important that the gospel story is shared with the world today. And let me encourage you to share your testimony. This is something that I taught many years ago. We had a combined, we had a um, First Baptist Church was leasing a part of our facility one year. And they wanted to do a thing on revival. And uh, they gave me a segment to teach the whole, you know, combined congregations and stuff. And uh, the thing that uh, I was to encourage people to do is to keep at the forefront of your mind your experience of when you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And keep that story in the front of your mind because it's something that you can share. I have mine. I always have kept mine right here. And for me, when I, I, when I really, 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 really received God and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, of all places, I was at a golf course country club when God touched me. And I was there for a men's breakfast. The church had some kind of deal with them. And this old radio evangelist, Dan McBrayer, was there that day to speak. He was our keynote speaker. And he was teaching on the seven spirits of Isaiah out of Isaiah chapter 11. And, uh, I mean, it touched me. Because I was pretty, you know, like I've told you many times, you know, I went to church because it was something I had to do in order to date the woman that I'm married to today. <laughs> that was mandatory. If you're dating me, you're going to church. Yeah, good trade. It was a good trade. So I, 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 uh, I went, but I partially received, but I was kind of stubborn, you know. I, anyway, it's just kind of the way I was raised to. But anyway, that guy, Dan, uh, he shared that, uh, shared that, and he shared his testimony, and he made a little altar call. And, of course, I went up because I was moved. And uh, he laid his hands on me, and that was the first time that I had ever been slayed in the Spirit. Very first time right there in that country club all places, not in a church, in a country club. And uh, my life was changed forever, and, and I, I took on an attitude of, uh, I am now a sponge, and I'm going to consume all I could consume, and and I uh, started going to the classes that the church offered, you know, and leadership classes. Um, you know, I've always owned my own business, so I have a little bit of a leadership uh, desire in me, I guess, or, or you know, that, that, that in me. And... Uh, and so I share that story about, you know, where I received uh, the Lord and my baptism. And, and uh, I do that because I want people to know that you don't have to necessarily go to church to receive God. You can receive it standing right here with me at this auction or here in this bank or here at this gas station. You can receive it anywhere. Just have to be willing to receive, and I have to be willing to be obedient to share. And maybe one of these days I'll teach you that old lesson that that old radio evangelist taught on Isaiah 11, in chapter, uh, Isaiah chapter 11. It was, it was a really good teaching. I, I, I loved it. But anyway, let me encourage you to keep your testimony handy. Even when we're in here and when revival hits here, don't be hesitant to share that with the people. Because there's a, there's a generation behind us, folks, let me tell you, they're looking for some truth. They are watching. And the old traditional church, their mom and dad's church, 
They don't, they don't, they don't care for that much. So we've got to be thinking out of the box. We've got to be open. And men, we need to be men to young men. We've got to speak into their lives and, and connect with these young people, ladies with ladies. We have a generation behind us, as you look at the statistics, are not favorable for church. There's some of these younger, younger kids that only 18% of them even know anything about God. Wow. So, anyway, an awakening in evangelism starts by us recentering ourselves on the gospel and, of course, knowing the gospel. You guys should know John, the book of John, inside and out, which we probably already do, but sharing some of those stories, some of those parables. That night when Peter failed Jesus horribly in the, there in the temple gates, denied Christ three times, you know, but God restored him. Jesus, you know, I say that because I think about my life through my course of walking with God, but he continues continues to love me and continues to lift me up and continues to keep giving me revelation and words to share and things of that nature. So, Here's a cute little uh, keynote I want to share with you. The gospel is like a well. You don't find better water if you widen it, okay? But the well, here, let's see if you start over. The gospel is like a well. You don't find better water by widening the well, but by plunging deeper into it, amen? So let's get into that word. I encourage you. Point number four, and I'll knock this out. We've got this one more, and I'll be out of here. Awakening happens when God's people devote themselves to intercessory prayer. You'll see that in 2 Chronicles 30, verses 18 through 27. And throughout these chapters, we will find that Hezekiah was always praying for his people. And in verse 30, uh, 20, in chapter 30, and the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. And an awakening happens when God's people devote themselves to prayer, period. Now, the difference between prayer and intercessory prayer, because awakening happens for intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer, what I have been told, many, there's several things, but intercessory prayer is us praying for other people deeply and convict, have conviction, uh, uh, have, have an urgency. Um, the Lord gave me this, and I wrote this down here. On that. Intercessory prayer is to collide with God violently until his will is enforced. It is also to stand in the gap between God and man, asking for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. The third thing is to continue to do so, praying, praying, to continue to pray and do so until we see the results we know God wants. We know God wants awakening in this country. Let us get up in the morning and pray for that. Let us pray for this, this, this nation. Man, we need it. We know where we're at. Amen? Okay. I want to go on and uh, continue with uh, a statement or a, a quote that a missionary in China said once. He says, I used to think prayer should have first place and teaching second place. This was his theory. 
But he goes, now I feel it would be truer to give prayer first place, second place, third place. Pray, pray, pray. Fourth, we'll do a teaching. Amen? There is no awakening. There's no revival without prayer. And Pastor Lydia shared that with us. None. Amen? So let us pray. Let us pray. Okay. The last point is awakening happens when God's people give extravagantly. You'll see that in 2 Chronicles 31, 5 through 10. The Israelites gave very generously. Uh, Hezekiah led, the leaders of, of that nation led in their giving. You can, you can see the amount that Hezekiah gave through that scripture. It was phenomenal. And the people were inspired to also join in in that. And they had so much that there was heaps of leftovers. So much that Hezekiah had to appoint people, and those people had to appoint people to distribute all that was shared. Now, I want to make this my point on that. I'm not asking or saying, hey, we need to just give money. What we need to do is give of our time and our talent and then treasure. Give what you can give. But give of your time. Make yourself available, especially when revival comes, to be a part of that and not sit back. Two, utilize the gift God has gifted you to have. Utilize that. You will find so much blessing in that. And then the third, which we already do here to impact the lives. Amen? So, in closing today, I want you to see yourself as one that stands in the gap. Amen? I want to stand in the gap for our families, for our church family, for friends, and for those that are lost. I want us to pray that God's grace and his mercy and his love overcomes what this nation is, is dealing with. And the last thing is I want us to look at Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. And the word says, I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I search for someone to stand in the gap. Is that going to be you? Is that going to be me? I pray that I have the courage and the boldness to stand before the Lord and hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant, as I serve. Amen. Let me close in prayer. Thank you for uh, letting me share my heart today. And uh, again, revival happens through getting the junk out of our life, through us recentering ourselves on Scripture, on the gospel, through prayer, and through giving. Father, we come to you this morning, and I thank you for this time, O oh Lord. Father God, I ask that you will bring a revival to our city as we wait for you to move and to touch the hearts of the people out there who 
are desperately looking for truth. Let it be us, Lord. Let it be us, Father, who gets ourselves right with you and gets, gets in line to what your will is. Now, Father, today I ask that you bless us and keep us. I ask that you make your face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. I ask that you lift up your countenance and give us peace. I ask that righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of heaven, consume us, and that we are like a tree planted by the streams of living water, that our leaves nether wither, and that we produce fruit in every season, and wherever we go and whatever we may touch shall be blessed. Shalom, shalom. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. Amen.